So, welcome to the Beats and Bleeps podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. Today, I'm joined by Adam, aka Crashtroid. Uh, how are you today, Adam? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, it's finally decided to be a little bit sunny after the very interesting summer we've had so far here. So, I mean, I think the best place to start is how how did you get into composing soundtracks for video games? Um, well, I played video games from a very young age, like most people in my, you know, age bracket, I'm sure. Uh, like, I started playing Super Nintendo and PlayStation 1 stuff that my uh, uncle handed down to me. And I remember really, really enjoying the music that was found there and then not really caring much for all the other music that was going on around me. I was kind of, like, really focused in on that. So when I got to middle school... My my younger brother, uh, he found a way to obtain a music program called Mixcraft, where you could kind of like pull loops and smack them together and see, almost like a garage band, but for Windows. Yeah. And upon finding that, I was like, ooh, this is interesting. I, I want to try this with him. And so we experimented with that while also having the music in our life that was normal for the rest of people around us, which was like band class, right? From grade six onwards, we had... Uh, a standard band class where we just played instruments um but then computer music ended up way more interesting to me so we got to high school and i ended up downloading a trial of fl studio where i started to try to write my own music and frankly from there i ended up moving schools to uh like a smaller private school that didn't have any kind of music program so i was just kind of stuck without music and then i fully embraced uh, digital music production at that point just because it was my only option and realized, whoa, wait, if I can do this, if I can write my own songs, that means I can participate in the creation of video games. I really like video games. <laughs> so it was just a really natural fit of like all of my musical inspirations came from games. I really enjoyed games and I wanted to participate in games and I was just like, let's make some video games. So game jams started from there. And that's when I really started to kind of uh, come to my own when it came to a composing style. Uh, you're, are you aware of what game jams are? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I mean, what was... So if anyone in the audience needs to be filled in, uh, game jams are like a, usually a 48 hour like crunch period over the course of a weekend where you meet up with a new team of people that you've never worked with before, or maybe with a pre-made team if you're so inclined. And before COVID, you would end up in the same office room and you would work together on a new game just as fast as possible. It's basically like a prototype marathon. Um, and because I was participating in so many of those, I was meeting so many new people. Um, that was just kind of like honing my uh, video game music skills. Uh, I have no formal education other than band class, which means that I have very limited, like, rudimentary theory knowledge on music. Uh, all of the stuff that I've produced since leaving that, uh, that like, basic band program is completely self-taught. So my delve into video game music has pretty much been, uh, you know, along with the support of my friends and my family, um, it's been pretty self What's the word? Self-motivated, I guess. Yeah. Just really, really wanting to participate in it. So if, um, I mean, just for myself and mainly other, maybe other people, I know like band is kind of a Northern American like kind of thing. I don't know if is we it? necessarily... I mean, 
I'm trying to think if we have anything like that here. Maybe I just went to the wrong school. But I mean, did you did you have like a an instrument that you would be the one that you would do, or would that cha- chop and change depending on different what different people were in and stuff? Um. Well, I mean, I was a trumpet player myself, which I don't really think speaks to much of my character because it was more of. Oh, my dad used to play trumpet, so he could play it with me. He didn't. It was more <laughs> of like a novelty thing. Um, sorry, I feel I feel like I missed the point of that question. Actually, it began with what was the instrument I played, but then what was the other half of the question? It's just more what actually what actually entails, you know, like band and oh, like what are high the skills and stuff. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, it was basically we had one conductor at the front of the class who was, you know, the teacher of band. And they would generally, they would give us music to practice at home and they'd give us, like, theory lessons every couple days. And so all of us would have to, you know, do our best to learn theory and, you know, complete little assignments and stuff for it so we could then come back and reasonably understand the piece of music that we've been given. They were generally pretty easy um, back in middle school, obviously. Uh, so kids with lesser mechanical skill for uh, music could play them along with the class. But uh, it was also super heavily reliant on practicing at home, right? You were expected to play 40 minutes worth of your instrument every single evening, like seven days a week, oh, which wow. doesn't sound like a big chunk of your day as an adult, but as a kid, 40 minutes straight of just practicing sour notes is like, it's really, really frustrating, especially when your parents don't fully understand music. And so there's no one there to actually help guide you in the right direction on how to do stuff. Yeah. Like, have you ever played a, an instrument before? Yeah, yeah. So I play like guitar and piano and stuff. And I mean, I'm guessing yeah. it's, it's from like, how you kind of described it it's you almost know it's wrong but you don't know how, what you're doing wrong and there's no one there to tell you otherwise yeah that's right like you know as a guitarist and a pianist that like music is hard like m- the mechanical act of playing music and using your fingers to create stuff is like it's difficult and when you're a kid it's really easy to get frustrated when you don't know how to do it better you're just kind of bashing your head against the wall for 40 minutes so, I don't know if they could have made the system better, but I don't really think I liked it. Yeah, I mean, from um, just as a sort of um, in, opposite education for um, um, so basically like in in well secondary school. So from when you're eleven to sixteen in the UK, I think mm-hmm. you you have three years with music classes, but that is just basically more educational about music in general than playing music as such like there's not much music theory in it and then after after the age of 14 it's entirely optional and the okay. yeah there's definitely i mean there may have been but not at the school i went to so you know when you see when you when i watch all these sort of like american like high school kind of programs where they've got band and stuff it's just like i i don't know what like I know what they do in search, but like I've other than the whole sort of like the whole band performing, what the kind of background part of that is. So, I mean, obviously yeah. you've, you've just educated me, so appreciate that. Thank you. Well, it, anytime, I'm happy to. Uh, but it's interesting because uh, you know I'm Canadian, and uh, Americans 
from my understanding, don't just have very large band programs, but generally also have very large like sports programs. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you've watched some kind of American high school movie and noticed that like the main character or like the most desirable character to be would be like the jock dude, you know, yeah. sports player, football, Chad, whatever. Um, what was funny was the same reputation, at least for me, it felt like the same reputation that those like sports football kids would have in high school would instead be in Canada given to the band kids who have been stuck there for or stuck themselves there for as long as possible. You know, kids with like six years experience over middle and high school and then tried out jazz band and vocal jazz and whatever else. Like those were the cool kids. So it's, it's funny how Canada didn't focus as much on sports, and at least where I was um, focused way more on music. And that was like the cool thing to do. Ah. I mean, you don't get many, well, over here, programs about Canada day-to-day -day life and, well, TV uh, TV oh, and films yeah. and stuff, so, yeah. I, uh, nobody, I, like, everybody wants to film in Canada because they come to Vancouver or Toronto or whatever to film a movie, and nobody ever wants to actually make the movie set <laughs> in Canada. I'm not sure what the deal is, but, you know, nice. whatever. Yeah. I guess we get something. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So if I ask lots of stupid questions, it's just it's just my fault about my lack of education. Um, going oh, back, <laughs> going back to uh, yourself and game soundtracks. Um, so what was the what was the first soundtrack you worked on um, that you can recall? No, like if you know uh, lots of game, I, I can recall the four, like five rather major projects uh, that I was slash am a part of. And most of those didn't go very well because I don't think I was very educated about how to work with people on the internet. Yeah. Or in person for that matter. <laughs> but internet especially. My first, uh, my first uh, music job, it was, it was for this mobile game developed in India called Quest for the Magic Key. And to be real with you, it was one of those, like, you know, absolute throwaway, like, whatever games, you know, someone just learned how to build with Unity, and then they take to the internet, and they ask everyone for free work. And because someone came to me specifically after I put up my music on Bandcamp and was like, hey, can you help me? I was like, yeah, I can help you. And I did not think to ask about payment or legalities or anything because I'm a stupid middle school kid. Not my wisest move, because I wrote, like, three songs for the guy, and then he dropped off the face of the earth, and I don't know. Big waste of my time. Yeah. But uh, it was definitely a good lesson to me in middle school of, like, hey, whoa, you should talk to people before you just agree to work with them. You should figure out who they are and what they do instead of, you know, burning several weeks on this one thing that has no guarantee of actually coming out. So did that ever um, become um, like a, a finished product, or did it just disappear no into way. the abyss? <laughs> like it, it was, a, it was an Android like mobile beta for like a week. Uh, okay, and then the guy is probably off on Mars now. Like for all I know. Fair enough. I mean, obviously a learning experience, as you said. Yeah. What What kind of followed on from that? So the next one I can remember was a game for I think it was developed in Belgium. There was this. Uh, there's this artist on DeviantArt who came over and asked me uh, if I'd be willing to write for a game. And I was really excited, but I was also like super self-conscious of my work at that point because of how many times I'd been rejected. Granted, this is me with like 
two years experience of self-taught uh, FL Studio experience, I wasn't doing very good. I don't really like my music from back then. But he came to me and asked me about it and offered me, I think it was $100 per song, which at the time was like a really, really big deal. Um, you know, that ended up being like a seven or $800 contract. And it was really a difficult experience because I'm super excited to say, yeah, yeah, let me work on this. And my parents are like, this dude is from Belgium and offering you $800 for what now? And like, I had to explain that to them in, uh, in middle school. Um, that was difficult. Uh, but eventually my dad and I looked at the contract that the guy sent over because he's been a working professional for what, like 10 years. Um, we got the whole thing signed off and the game, uh, it was like this little platformer. I don't even know if I'm legally allowed to talk about what the game was called or what the content was in it. Um, cause I'm technically still under the NDA. Um, but it was like a little basic platformer. It was probably the dude's first go at like uh, mobile development. And he was very excited to just have the game be the two of us working on it. So I would do the soundtrack and he would do everything else. Unfortunately, the game never came to fruition because uh, I believe some of his hardware went down. And when he updated to a new system, uh, like a lot of his files were corrupted for all of the art assets and a lot of the level design. And so he just kind of got discouraged and gave up but he still paid me for the whole soundtrack and i still have that on my hard drive so unfortunately that one didn't come to fruition either but dude was really upstanding and i really appreciate my first uh like proper video game contract being with someone who you know did not take advantage of a child on the internet and you know rob him blind basically hey the two the first two was kind of like polar opposites in experience for yourself oh then. absolutely <laughs> yeah so I mean, you um, when we were messaging, you mentioned about the free games that um, you've got that are on, or that you've done the soundtrack for that are on Steam. So I did yeah. um, did have a bit of a dabble with some of them. Um, I mean, with hybrid animals, I'm just getting confused which way around it was. Oh, hybrid animals, you did the soundtrack for hybrid animals, and then Ace in Space, and, and currently now Peglin. Yes. Yeah. So when I when I said that there's like five major projects, those are all five. The first two uh, games that didn't happen, and then the three Steam games that you've uh, checked out. Yeah. So which one? Which one of those? I'm assuming it was either Ace in Space or um, Hybrid Animals that came first out. Of phase three it was hybrid animals yeah. that was my first uh that was my first game job right out of right out of high school so i was i was in first year college and i met a guy at uh the university's like local game development club yeah and he's like i'm almost releasing this game and i don't have music and i kind of <laughs> stood up and i was like i do that <laughs> and that was about the extent of our conversation before we agreed on like a hundred dollars a song um which was you know, pretty cool. That would that was really fast, um, but that does mean that like a lot of the songs in there, I had very like surface level direction with them. I don't think they're as good as they could have been, only because I jumped on that project right away without actually trying the game. I just got to look at it and everything. Um, you know, the more time you intimately spend with a like a product, the more you get a sense for what like creative direction it has and everything. Yeah. Um, so, you know, getting too excited and then not doing your proper research there kind of hurts your product, I think. Oh, yeah, he played it briefly, and I think... Because it's... it's, on, it's Well, is it online? I don't know. I couldn't remember, work out if you could play it single-player, but 
I only played it briefly and didn't really get very far. But as what I got from yeah, these, it was. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, um, what I got from like obviously the gameplay idea is it's quite quite hectic and fast. And I mean, what was the sort of direction you had for the music was it sort of like a load of um some tracks that they kind of wanted it to sound like or like artists or other games for inspiration um the guy really just told me make song to fill in space um <laughs> there there was very little direction in terms of like it should sound like this or it should sound like that it was just like whatever you can do to fill this in so i can get the product out the door is like great and at the time, I didn't really realize that that was the goal of hiring me rather than getting my specific brand of music. But that's okay, because now I'm in a lot of projects that are specifically looking for my brand of music. So, you know, that fulfillment is that fulfillment is there now. Um, the general idea of the game was like a multiplayer. I think it was like a multiplayer shooter, basically, yeah. with some other mini games thrown in. And you would choose two animals or two, uh, like an animal and a combination that you've already made. You can go as far as you want uh, to merge. And every day the stats are randomized for each set of monsters. So you are doing your best to find that day's best combination and, you know, then play a first person shooter with it. Um, or I think it was a third person shooter, actually. But, you know, pish posh, whatever. Um <laughs> The whole deal with that was like higher energy and like buzzing synths and stuff. But also at the time, I didn't have enough of a library to do anything else. So that's just kind of what had to happen. You know, like composers a lot of the time seem to be expected to, I say this because I don't know what everybody else is doing, but seem to be expected to collect a lot of their own like hardware, software and resources to write their music. So at that point, I basically only had what came default with my music program, FL Studio which was a lot of synths and not a lot of realistic instruments. So the direction of the music, it had to take the whole, like, uh, you know, buzzing synth route. Um, I think I wrote four, maybe five songs for that game. And I definitely noticed looking back at the soundtrack, like each one, I definitely got better at writing the music and wrote higher quality stuff. Um, so I'd call Hybrid Animals a very strong learning experience for me. It was also my first game launched on Steam, so I was particularly like enamored with that because, you know, for a kid who's always played video games and then seeing your game on a storefront is like, that's really big. That's really big. No matter how successful it is, just seeing it there amongst all the other games is really cool. Yeah. I mean, when I looked, it did have like quite a lot of reviews as well. So obviously quite a lot of people have, have paid money to play it and picked it up as well. So you know, that must be quite uh, nice and reassuring. Oh, yeah, 339 reviews. Uh game was released in 2016, so, like, you know, it's not the most popular game on the planet, but it had its moment, and I think at one time it was featured on the Game Grumps YouTube channel, which yeah. at the time I was a massive fan of, and so that was the only thing I could talk about for, like, <laughs> nine or ten days, was like, Dude, the Game Grumps, they heard my music! They didn't say anything about it, but they heard it! And I was, like, a little embarrassing, but... You know, it was it was cool at the time. I was gonna say when I was looking for gameplay footage, I think that clip was like the first one that came up. It was like, oh, oh yeah, that makes. <laughs> so uh, after uh, Hybrid Animals, was it Ace and Space that you worked on after that, or the next yeah, release? Yeah, Ace and Space was a visual novel. Or uh, well, it still is a visual novel. It didn't <laughs> change. Um, and it's uh, 
from my understanding, because I don't want to claim to know much about the writing more than the actual developers who wrote it, but um, it was very centered around the idea of like having a finite amount of time left, um, mostly due to the protagonist having cancer and yeah. making difficult decisions under that time constraint. Um, and then also uh, being focused on asexuality, which is particularly interesting because a lot of dating simulator type visual novels end up focusing really heavily on the sexual aspect. And this one had no such inclination, rather wanting to talk about more intimate, like uh, difficult conversations to have with your significant other or the more romantic aspects of a relationship. So it was different in that way. And I, I think it portrayed it really well as far as I understand it. Yeah. So with obviously like um, kind of polar, like again, polar opposites and sort of gameplay style from a, a shooter to a visual novel, was there like much mm-hmm. of a change in gear? Because obviously the soundtrack for Ace in Space is kind of quite like, I wouldn't necessarily say like that lo-fi hip-hop kind of thing, but it's like very... I can, yeah. Good. I can definitely see where people get that impression from. Yeah. Even though that's something that I wasn't thinking about while I was writing it, it's that same type of vibe. Yeah. I mean, it's with, with that sort of... Um, visual novels aren't action at all so you kind of have something more as background music fairly chilled and relaxing i mean was there sort of a, a direction or any any ideas that the um that was asked of you for that or is it just kind of write a soundtrack this is the game write some pieces um, of music for it it was really nice that uh when i was working on the music for this game uh i was given like full character sheets and like scripts and everything. So although I couldn't see the exact interactions of every character, I got mostly everything I needed to out of it because I got like every image of every character in the game. I got like full personality disclosures. I got exact line deliveries. Um, So when I was developing like a character theme for each character, I could really hone in on exactly what it was that made them unique compared to the rest of the cast. Um, Whether they were a robot or a human or whether they had like, uh, you know, some kind of like animal theming or whether they had a specific job within that universe, Uh, you know, like I contributed all those ideas to each song. So you'll find that like the robot character that has uh, like, I think it's a gardening job um, named Fern has a whole bunch of different like stuff in the music that kind of indicates that there are birds floating around. There's some more bouncy synths and then i even added a whistle synth instead of something else to kind of convey like hey birds sing they whistle so like you know there's a little something it's not like the most um it's not, it's not the most depthful uh implementation of like character into the songs but because i got those uh, resources i was able to do something and uh it also means i was able to foreshadow certain events in the game using the music which i think was uh particularly helpful in kind of selling the emotion for some of those scenes as i say as well like with a with a visual novel there's a lot more emotion and feelings in the game than going around shooting something so being able to write something that invokes that must have got something in your head going to kind of want to really nail that feeling of mood and stuff i think like And, like, this is my general philosophy on, like, games as a whole, is, like, you play games because you want to feel something, right? And 
it doesn't really matter what game it is. The idea is still that that game is going to make you feel different than you did when you were not playing it. Uh, while you look at games, you know, like I'll, I'll talk like Ultra Kill is one of my favorite indie games right now. That game generally intends to either make you feel surprised because they subverted your expectations with something goofy or uh, they want to make you feel powerful and excited and like completely engaged in what you're doing. Right. They, they want you to feel the intensity of the combat. Um, so there's only a couple things that that game covers and it covers them really well. When you look at a visual novel, they want you to feel a vast array of emotions and they don't have much gameplay to actually convey that. Right. The player doesn't get to control something in universe that, or generally doesn't um, get to control something in universe that uh, like allows them to feel those emotions through gameplay. So you rely really heavily on the art, the writing, and the music in order to convey those things. And because there's so many more different feelings to convey, you know, there's like certain parts in the game where you're supposed to feel melancholic, and there's certain parts where you're supposed to feel like excited or completely devastated. Um, you do really have to pay. A lot more attention to exactly what the music is in a visual novel you can't really just stock music your whole way through because you know the whole gameplay is how do i feel right now yeah if you can't hit that then what do you do right <laughs> exactly i mean with that sort of you had the same sort of uh setup like fl studios as when you did ace uh, when you did hybrid animals or was there anything else that like just just getting more plugins and virtual instruments oh yeah Zen. um i i had picked up a couple like smaller synth plugins on sale because at like the recommendation of my brother and a couple other people and uh so i had added to my repertoire there but like of course i didn't have nearly the experience necessary to put them into full use so you'll hear like different samples of instruments in ace and space than yeah. i used in hybrid animals but not a lot of them i think were mixed all that well or you know paid attention to and combining with other sounds just because you know you learn as you go on and i can definitely look back at ace and space's soundtrack and kind of think hmm, there are some more techniques i'd use right now to kind of better those songs not necessarily like comp composing wise like sometimes i think the creative aspect of those songs is great and sometimes i'm like i wonder how i did that but the technical work that could do a little bit better on yeah so with um, sort of the games you've worked on, I'm assuming like Ace and Space was very much the pieces of music you wrote for it were you just wrote a song or track and that just played in the background. It wasn't sort of dynamic. Is there any games you've worked on where you've had to think like, oh, how's this going to respond in game, like different elements of it? Or is it just very much been at the moment, it's just been a, a piece of music and then that's just been put into the game as such? Well, with Ace and Space, um, the interesting part there is that although uh, we run into the, you know, I wouldn't say issue, but the reality of just one song being played at a time and gameplay being reliant on moving text forward, um, there was a lot of thoughts in the game of using like late motifs or elite motifs. I don't know how to pronounce it, and I'm never going to get it right, so I'm just going to say late motifs. Um, and uh, for anyone who doesn't know what that means, um, it's when you use like a, it's when you use a similar or a same melody or like theming in a song in order to indicate that there's some kind of crossover between the events that are going on right now. Yeah. Um, Toby Fox of Undertale fame does this incredibly well, and uh, I would imagine that most people would know uh, how he does it. So 
the like the dynamic component to Ace in Space's soundtrack was very much like how am I going to link these characters together by you know carrying themes on and leitmotifs throughout the music um, between each character. So like characters that have similar body structure because they're the same model of robot with different personalities will have some leitmotifs within them and things like that. So maybe not like directly impacted by gameplay, but definitely by decisions in your conversation. Did I have to figure out like some kind of dynamic music ideas? Okay. Um, which is a lot simpler than other games that I work on. Like a lot of the game jam projects I work on tend to have combat in them for reasons beyond my understanding as a game developer. <laughs> people just really like combat, I guess. Um, I'm one of those people. Uh, <laughs> and generally speaking, um, I'll have like two versions of a song where, you know, one is a calmer version and then one is like, I've added more drums and, you know, there's maybe a new synth line or something in it to kind of accentuate what's going on. And so we'll have the gameplay like flow between the two. Um, once you enter a certain radius of an enemy, it'll switch to the combat track. Um, and, you know, we got to set that all up. It's It's pretty basic. My favorite implementation that we've ever done with a unfortunately not playable uh, build of a game jam game was this VR game where you would sneak around a facility with a knife in hand that you could like throw and teleport back to your uh, to your grip or you could throw it onto the ceiling and it would teleport you onto the ceiling and you could cling to the ceiling. It was a really, really cool idea that I'd like to explore more once I figure out how to use Unity for myself. Um, and we had this dynamic music system where when you would approach robots, it would add a new layer of synth to the music. Um, but then if you would be detected, right, if, if the stealth was broken and you'd be caught, um, then you'd enter a combat sequence or combat phase rather, where the music would get a new drum line as well. And I basically created this pool of extra synth lines and extra drum lines so that it would randomize just whichever one you would get. So you would have this combination of like maybe up to 20 different variations of the same song uh, just by combining these pieces. And we made this really interesting music system where it would, uh, you know, it would randomly pick one. And so every time you encountered a robot either in stealth or uh, in combat, you'd have a new version of the song to play with. Yeah, I, I thought it was really cool and I'd like to see, I'd like to see that brought back in a new game that I work on. As I say, if it's... Um... If it does happen, that sounds really fascinating, and I like the idea of <clears throat> obviously you write in certain parts of a track, but then depending on how random algorithms work, what variation you're going to get, and basically almost the game remixes your own music as you play it. Yeah, um, if you want to see like a good implementation of that that's actually been finished, I think Doom 2016 is a really great implementation of that, yes. where during combat sequences, I'm sure you know, uh, music will just take chunks out of uh, whatever it is that uh, like we, the pool was given. Uh, that doesn't make sense. Let me try that again. <laughs> um, there's a pool of different guitar, uh, like guitar sections in each stage, and those get randomized as you play, but then also get broken up by uh, like these glory kill moves where you take a second and you beat the living hell out of whatever demon is in front of you. And while you're doing that, uh, there's a quick little refrain that plays, uh, breaking up the music and then moving you to a new section. So that's a really great implementation of that, that I wish I could have been a part of. But, you know, 
I don't want to step on Gordon's toes. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. He does. I mean, I I played Doom twenty sixteen earlier in the year, and it took me a few times to kind of realize the the glory kills because the first time you do one, it's kind of very scripted, and it yeah. And then after that, it's like oh my god, that like change in music, that refrain, and then all of this is actually it's not just a piece of music; it's all been cut up and it's playing back in a random sort of pattern depending on how many enemies there are and stuff like that and it's just just, yeah and that with as well because it's a lot of it is live instrumentation it's just Mm -hmm. so impressive so yeah it's pretty mind-blowing yeah and uh frankly i look towards doom and doom eternal and all the work that's done on those games is like not necessarily an end goal but definitely something i'd like to achieve one day is something of comparable quality and like uh ingenuity i guess i don't know if you've watched any of the stuff that mick gordon or frankly david levy or andrew hulshalt have put out they all three of them who have worked on these games uh they've all put out some content about like how they make this stuff and like what programs they use and how they like what their process is and man it's some really inspiring stuff it's really really cool I will have to check them out when I have chance. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it will blow blow my little mind how clever it is. I mean, I just think just the actual composition of the the songs on their own is amazing. Let alone all the oh, technical is. side that goes into it. It just makes me makes you feel insignificant at times, but also appreciative oh, that people do that work. <laughs> tell me about it. I, I don't know. Like, if you've ever seen like a GDC talk or something about anything in games and that's like your thing sometimes it's really easy to just feel like man i know absolutely jack shit i don't know anything i've watched a couple gdc things about like music and music implementation and they've immediately activated the imposter syndrome in me (laughs) but then i remember why are they giving these talks in the first place so that people like me can learn and you know assimilate those skills into our own tool sets right so like it's a quick little bout of imposter syndrome and then a strong burst of like inspiration like man i can do this too definitely and i mean as well as some of the techniques some of these people designed that technique and like spent how much time learning and how to work that whereas it's done now so you can just learn what they've done and what they're telling you about so saves you lots of time in that respect Oh, absolutely. I can't tell you how many times where I've thought about like a musical like theme or like idea or whatever and just been like, I have no idea how to do this. I'll never be able to do this. And then someone quickly makes a tutorial on it. They're like, yeah, this is how you sample like vocals and turn them into like chops and stuff using a plugin called Grossbeat, I think. Um, And that just comes default with FL Studio and I've had it forever and I don't know how to use it. And then it's like... (laughs) Well, now I can do it. Like this, this door has been opened, right? And so you just have this giant swath of things where you're like, I thought I'd never be able to do those things, and now I can do them. Sky's <laughs> the limit. Exactly. Um, so moving on to other games, but uh, the yeah. other game you've worked on, Peglin. So is that because um, mm-hmm. that is purchasable on Steam at the moment, isn't it? Is that the like an um, alpha release? Uh, we're currently in early access. Yes. Um, yeah, no, all three games that we've gone over, Ace in Space, Hybrid Animals, and Peglin, are all purchasable at the moment, but uh, Peglin is the only one that's actually still in active development. Yeah. Um, and man, are we developing for it. Like, there's <laughs> a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline that I'm 
really excited about. Not to sound like a you know walking billboard or whatever for Peglin, but like both as a player and as a creator for that game, like I am really really excited for some of the stuff that we're working on. I think it's so much fun. I mean, it's like it's probably the one of the three that I spent the most time playing, just because it's it's somehow and this is going to be an oxymoron. It's somehow like a very simple premise, but there's actually mm-hmm. quite a lot of depth to it. You know, when you first look, it's I just think, like, oh yeah, it's just yeah. The- you might be looking for like the the marketing speak of easy to learn, difficult to master. You know, <laughs> I'm sure you've seen that on the back of a box before. Yeah, I mean, I I was like, oh, I got through the first kind of world, and I was like, oh, this is fine, and then it's sort of like. But then by the second world, because I hadn't looked at the orbs, I needed to upgrade properly and what they do. And I was just like, oh, this is actually really hard now and I need to pay attention to this. Because it fools you into thinking it's very simple. But then there's so many different different little mechanics and things you need to learn. And the more you go through as well, obviously there's all the different enemies and stuff like that. So yeah, it's very for a game that on the outset looks like it's gonna be very simple, it's very complicated and it really intrigues me and I was really enjoying playing it um until yeah. I kept dying. Um, so I mean from from that like I noticed obviously it's this kind of kind of world that's broken uh, kind of world, kind of game that's broken down into like obviously levels and worlds. So assuming you could kinda of like still keep an overriding theme but have sort of like different different like feels and things for those different worlds yeah um the way that that kind of went about was like each world that i was working on um has like a map theme and then a level theme and then a boss theme yeah and then i'm gonna do some like other stuff later on with like uh excuse me uh some other stuff later on with like you know wind jingles death jingles uh item find jingles and like you know clean up all of that stuff um but that's all after i get the main songs out of the way um and because each of those worlds contains like all of those songs i can like choose a pool of instruments that works with that space and then kind of come up with like a singular motif uh like one melody that works with that area and then center everything around that right so in the forest it started with the marimba that was um like the, the idea was if you drop a ball from the top of the screen and it bounces off of the pegs, like, you know, is the core of the gameplay, what would that sound like? And to me, I thought that would sound a lot like, you know, someone hitting a marimba. And so that was the instrument I chose to represent Peglin itself. Um, and then you can hear that marimba slowly get drowned out over the course of the next three worlds as Peglin, they start to move forward through the world and away from their, like, homeland, which is the forest, um, they slowly start to get pushback. And, like, during boss fights, you get more pushback to the to the marimba where eventually, yeah, it does get drowned out. And then you, you kind of feel like you're slowly moving out of your element. You're moving into more uncharted territory. And because I was given the opportunity to look at, like, the exact scale of the game where the character goes and how the game plays, I got to decide on exactly how to convey that musically. And it, I think it worked out pretty well. Not to honk my own horn or anything, but I'm really proud of how it's going. I mean, the uh, the marimba in the first world has definitely been like going around in my head for the the last couple of days when I've been playing it. I mean, there's something about marimbas and forest areas that goes hand in hand in, to me. Um, <laughs> 
but also yeah i think when you're saying like the sort of mechanic of dropping it and it bouncing off things works mm-hmm. really works really well with the sound of marimba i mean i don't know this might be like an obscure thing but if you've seen the um someone does like videos where it's a it's basically a ball going around a track and it like lands on various uh, various sort of like i think it's more glockenspiel but like it plays basically plays a song as it goes around this track and it's sort of that dynamic um i think the one that i can think of is someone did the ups up theme tune um but also yeah mm. I mean, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's hard to describe it. It's like yeah, a, a ball bearing going around like a little track, and then um, yeah, there's like various bits in that track. There's I don't know if it's a glockenspiel or something like that. Bounces off it, and as obviously Might it goes, be. yeah, as it goes around, it does it. But yeah, mm-hmm. that sort of that sort of thing. You have other slightly um, not as peaceful one is there oh, there's an apex twin song that's something bouncing ball that has like basically the rhythm of a ball bouncing and obviously as it gets further closer to the floor it gets quicker because it's bouncing less that's has that sort of sort of ball bouncing vibe but again maybe i've just projected what you said on no that's <laughs> actually like i just googled that that's a really cool idea i like that idea a lot <laughs> I'm I'm putting this on as soon as we're off this podcast. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, I'm glad I glad I could give you something back out of it. <laughs> oh yeah, this is gonna be great. <laughs> so, I know you've mentioned like generally um, you use like FL Studio. Has that kind of been consistent throughout your your time working on games? Never have I learned anything else. Mostly because I learned the user interface by trial and error and i'm too scared to try anything else because i don't have the uh theory knowledge at this moment to properly understand the tools that are available to me on other platforms like i understand what works here and why it works because i can end up producing a song at the end of it with other systems like say ableton or reaper or whatever else um logic pro um little scared of using those because i'd have to fundamentally relearn like how i write music and yeah probably not the healthiest way of going about it i probably should know a little bit more theory but ultimately right now the important part is that i use the program that i know how to use because i want to make songs that i think sound good and i have this conversation all the time with other musicians like the tool set ultimately doesn't really matter what matters is does it sound good do you like it? Because if you like it, then you've kind of made what you need to make. Um, and I would like to branch out and try other software, but right now there's a priority and it's kind of called Peglin. <laughs> yeah. So and yeah. I'm guessing at the moment you've not um, so far, like there's not been any live instrumentation recorded for any of the soundtracks. Um, For the, for the large part, no. Like I'm in talks with some people about trying stuff like that mostly like friends and family and stuff that do play instruments and just kind of want to goof around and try it but i have been recording some like vocal samples and stuff that i want to somehow integrate into the soundtrack like our our, the current thing i'm working on right now is the boss theme for the uh mines which is kind of spooky it's kind of a little bit grungy and it's it's hard to describe in that like it's it's not like 
scary tense music but it's kind of it gives you a weird vibe that you're slowly transitioning into like a surrealist environment as opposed to like something where you understand what's going on you know your eyes play tricks on you and the environment isn't what it seems and stuff and i want to convey that through the music by somehow using vocals and i don't know how that's gonna go yet it's gonna be the first time i've sampled live anything for the peglin soundtrack so we're gonna run that through and see how it works i'd, I'd like i'd really like to try it I mean, when it appears in the game, if I can actually get that far, then I, I will check it out. I've, I've, oh, totally. I've, I don't think I've got past the third world yet. So. <laughs> oh, no, they, they, there's only three worlds at the moment. The, oh, okay. The mines are the last world uh, for right now. I think we have something on our roadmap right now about, like, I don't remember whether it was a boss rush or, like, a new boss at the end of the mines but like just a really large challenge uh, in a shorter world at the end of it yeah uh eldritch horror hole is what uh dylan calls it i believe Sounds and terrifying it's probably i mean it's <laughs> pixel art how bad can it get but at the same time it's pretty terrifying when you can't make a dent in a health bar and die in one shot oh yeah so i'm pretty excited to see what exactly we do with that but i think it's a while out because we're currently finalizing a couple other things first that sounds good though i mean i'm excited to see how it develops as well so i mean i've enjoyed what i've played so far i'm glad yeah um so in, ter in terms of yourself what sort of um like is your sort of like general musical influences any sort of like bands or other composers that you like really look up to and i know obviously you probably want to aspire to be yourself but anyone that's kind of made you really uh yeah oh no i got a couple names and embarrassingly like i don't <laughs> i should have other bands and other like musical artists that i know and enjoy and i do have those but i never end up crediting them as like any kind of inspiration because although i'm sure that they've had influence on me the overwhelming influence comes from other game composers. So people are like, oh, what do you listen to outside of game music? And I'm like, I don't. <laughs> I don't. It's <laughs> hurt, hurts a couple social interactions, but, you know, you explain exactly what it is and people are either like, that's really cool. You know, I never considered that, like, game music could be like that. And other people are like, oh, so it's like game music. So, like, not real music, right? And I'm like, <laughs> oh. I don't I don't have the emotional like bandwidth for this today. Um in terms of stuff that I really like that inspires me from other game composers, I would say uh Mick Gordon, Andrew Hulshelt, David Levy, um like the trifecta of modern doom. I love them. They are super talented and I love the ideas that they come up with and I look to them for inspiration a lot when it comes to understanding new like new techniques with uh, my music and different synths and stuff. Yeah. So they've been teaching me a lot just by existing and allowing me to study their music. And so I'm really appreciative that they have such a giant back catalog of stuff that I get to go back and look at. Um, in terms of like origin stuff, like where I began, uh, Josh Mansell of uh, Crash Bandicoot, um, who I believe made that soundtrack with a band I think it was called Mutato Musica or something like that. It was okay. very funny name. Um, yeah, he wrote for Crash Bandicoot 2, Cortex Strikes Back. And that's like, 
that that game is like maybe 60% of my identity, I think. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a really big deal to me. Um, and the music like has always inspired what I do. If you go back and listen to Crash Bandicoot 2's soundtrack, like the original, not the remake, yeah. you'll notice that there's a lot of like, there's a lot of inspiration in Peglin specifically from that soundtrack, especially just kind of the marimba theming. Um, that was just a coincidence, but I'm sure somewhere in the back of my brainstem, I was like, hmm, marimba sound like Crash Bandicoot. This good, I like. <laughs> and then, you know, I went through with it. I mean, I'm pretty sure on, um, I think, I don't know, I don't want to, eh, there's one of the Peglin songs on YouTube and uh, someone's commenting on going, this reminds me of the Crash Bandicoot song. <laughs> oh, you have no idea how many times I've received <laughs> specific like messages or comments or something that's like, dude, Crash Bandicoot vibes. And I'm like, yeah, man, um, you wondered where I got that idea from. <laughs> like, I'm sure at some point, uh, for some people, it would be grading of like, oh, man, you know, I really wish they would stop comparing me to Crash because I tried to make my own unique thing. But like for me, um, at least so far, it's been nothing but endearing getting messages like that about how much it reminds them of the original Crash games and how like hectic that feeling was. Oh, yeah. um, because although they're two completely separate kinds of games, uh, I, I really treasure Crash Bandicoot 2. It's a really big deal to me. And so any com like any comparability between what I do and what that was, um, that makes me really happy. Um, so there was Josh Mansell of Crash Bandicoot. There's David Wise, um, yeah. and by periphery, Grant Kirkhope, because they're basically inseparable. Um, <laughs> David Wise of Donkey Kong Country fame. And I think that's where a lot of the like desire to make music, make people feel something comes in. Uh, yeah, have you played Donkey Kong Country? It's having yeah. it be a game produced in the UK. I would hope that you have. Yeah, I mean, it's actually one of my favorite games and soundtracks. <laughs> I, my I, man, I make okay. a, I make a good point of trying to beat it at least once every year. So, yeah, oh, de man. definitely. I'm very happy to hear that. Yeah, it's, it's um, magical. Yeah, so you you know how great David Wise's work is, oh, and yeah. how he can take a platformer about monkeys in the jungle, or, you know, pirate-themed crocodiles, or whatever, Donkey Kong Country 2, for the uneducated, um, and somehow create soundtracks around those that make you want to cry at some points. Like, it's unbelievable the type of emotion that he can convey through these songs with, you know, a 16-bit sound chip, or whatever hardware this SNES had. It's unbelievable. And then you see the work that he did on, like, Tropical Freeze, and I think there was a stage uh, in that game. Uh, it's available on the Switch for anyone who wants to go play one of the best 2D platformers of all time. Um, there was a song in that game near the end where you you were on the beach uh, of the like original Donkey Kong Country game. Yeah. And when you were there um, for the original game, it was a beach and everything was nice and you were exploring it. And then you come back in tropical freeze and it's completely frozen over. Everything's a wasteland. And the music takes this really like melancholic turn of like everything that Donkey Kong and the other characters have known is completely leveled and destroyed. And you're looking at your homeland completely, completely leveled. And uh, it makes you want to cry a little bit because like, that's just how powerful the music was in a, you know, Twitch platforming game. I don't know how else to describe it other than like it was that moving because the gameplay certainly didn't make me feel like I wanted to cry, but the music sure did. You know, sole contributor, I think. 
the only way the gameplay made me want to die is just not die sorry cry but also i mean <laughs> i mean maybe both but there are uh, people doing both yeah i mean there's there is bits in the donkey kong country games that are very challenging and rage inducing but yeah i mean i did find when i played tropical freeze and it's been a while now i think i got it and played it when it first came back mm-hmm. out on the switch well came out on the switch and there was like yeah. uh, like lots of like subtle nods and motifs to the original game soundtrack as well. It's like some of the little melodies. Oh, so many. And it's like, ah. Uh, and, you know, I've, I feel some of them may be wasted on people that have never played the original, but also play the original. It's one of the best games ever. <laughs> agreed. Definitely agreed. If you haven't played the five Donkey Kong Country games, take the time to do it. Especially if you like making video games, because I think there's a lot of really good lessons to learn in there. Um, so then there's that, and then I think like rapid fire a couple more. Um, Hidden Ori Shoji of uh, Super Monkey Ball and Yakuza, yep. uh, which are two games I experienced separately in my life, like in totally different eras. Monkey Ball was like a 2001 type ordeal, and then Yakuza I started with Zero in 2017, I think it was, and then I found out that the music was made by the same guy, and I'm like, the range on this man is unbelievable. It's crazy. Um, he really inspires me when it comes to just, like, the wackiest, craziest, like, most exciting music I can make. Uh, he, he does a lot of, like, um, heavier guitar-centric music for Yakuza. Yeah. And then a lot of synth-heavy, like, uh, almost house music type stuff. Or I'm not sure if I'm categorizing that right, but go listen to Monkey Ball 2 soundtrack. Soundtrack. Um, it's kind of a mind blower. It's it's wacky and it definitely feels like the early two thousands. Like it it evokes that feeling. I mean, I can definitely um, remember times of playing Monkey Ball, like well, yeah, not co-op, like it, on someone's couch and just basking in the sheer nonsense and craziness of it. Oh, it's just it's the coolest thing. <laughs> um, a couple games that I've played lately with soundtracks that I really like are Ultra Kill. Obviously, I've really enjoyed that. Uh, Risk of Rain 2, Chris Kudaluska. I'm not sure how to say his name. It's it's Greek. It's like eight, nine syllables. I think it's um, Chris, Chris Tadulau, I think, but also it, that may be wrong. You know who you are, Chris, and I love you, and you do really good music. <laughs> um, there's this other smaller indie game called uh, RoboQuest that uh, came from Rise Up Studios in France, and I forget the name of the composer right now. Uh but the soundtrack is on Spotify and it's awesome. And I'm learning a lot from it, just recognizing some similar stuff. Grapple Dog um, oh, nice. came out like a couple months ago. Have you seen Grapple Dog? I've seen it. I've, it's been on my wish list for ages and I, I just wait until I just picked it up on the Steam sale. It's oh, doing it's on- really good. And th- the soundtrack is the coolest, like, coolest. It's the funkiest, coolest <laughs> thing ever. I've ever. Like, it's very Jet Set Radio feeling. Um, but it has its very, like very clear own identity, yeah. and uh, I really want like because I only bought this like yesterday. I'm gonna go and find out who wrote this soundtrack, and I'm gonna give them a big kiss <laughs> because it's very good. Okay, that that I I think that about covers right now like who I'm being inspired by, um, especially with specific names earlier. Excellent. I mean, that's a lot to go on, and obviously. A wide range of inspirations as well. So, you know, both. Oh, well oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Can I can I do one more? Of course you can. Okay, okay. Um, Boomerang Fu, beautiful little like uh, 
party like six player multiplayer game it's it's local multiplayer only so it's not the most popular thing in the world but uh it comes out of cranky watermelon studios of australia i believe and they've had i think two or three people work on their soundtrack and it's one of the cleanest like most thematically fitting soundtracks i've ever heard it meshes perfectly with the art style and the gameplay and i love it to death it's been my ringtone for like months now and people get really mad at me when they hear it because it's also the title screen theme, but I don't care. All my friends are just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> um, game's fantastic. Go pick it up. It's like, it's $7 right now. It, it's worth it, if not just for the soundtrack. Um, I, I really feel like they're kind of underappreciated, especially the composers for this game, because I've never seen them in anything else. So go check that one out too. Excellent. I'm, I'm like using this segment as like a shout out for like, yeah, go check out these guys because they do games. Yeah, I'm I'm spending lots of money on Steam later today and buying all these games. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll try and do some um, just sort of like quick fire questions. Not saying you're talking too oh, much, totally. um, but just kind of like first first one that comes into your head. So, what is your favorite game of all time? Favorite game of all time. Oh, it's so difficult. I want to say Crash Bandicoot 2 because of my history with it. I also want to say Mario Sunshine because of like the aesthetic that it portrays. And then I also want to say like Doom Eternal because I have 300 hours in the single player of that game and it's the most like depthful and like thoughtful combat loop I've ever played. And then I also want to say Ultra Kill because I feel like it's the most like dopamine fueled thing I've ever done. <laughs> um it's it's a really hard toss up, but I'd say that my favorite game of all time is probably Crash Bandicoot Two, just because of like the emotional weight that it holds for me. Not just inspiring the games that I work on and the music that I make, but also the fact that it's one of the few games that I played growing up with my two brothers, and my sister as well, but yeah. uh, she's significantly younger than us. So the three of us brothers got a lot of mileage and a lot of bonding time out of Crash Bandicoot Two. And uh, I hold it very close to my heart because of that. I mean, it's an amazing game and definitely... I mean, I'd say it's probably my favourite of the, the trilogy, the original PlayStation trilogy, definitely. 400%. My favourite <laughs> one. Um, I, mean, I think you may have kind of, well, gave a list of uh, this already, but in terms of your, your favourite artists, like musical artists... Yeah, um, let me actually pull open Spotify really quickly <laughs> and see for, like, not game soundtracks. Uh, this is embarrassing. I can't see anything that's not game soundtracks on here. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm going to stop trying to save face and just say that, like, all the names I've mentioned so far are the people that I really, really like. Because yeah. I'm not finding much other than that on here. I'm finding a lot of, like, one-offs of, like, uh, you know, songs that I found on a Spotify playlist, and I was like, this is good. I'll keep this. But yeah. no one that makes me sit down and be like, yeah, this is the person that makes me want to make music. Because all of those guys have already, all those people, rather, have all been found in video games for me. Yeah. I, mean, that's... Um, I can tell you, though, a song I hold very close to my heart is Mambo Number no. 5, for reasons that I'm still not entirely sure of. I mean,. It's it's good. A definition of a banger. That's you're telling me. It's great. <laughs> I want to listen to it now. 
I mean, it's, I, can, I can see it's lovely and sunny outside, and I just want to kind of go and have a little bit of a groove to it. But I don't know if my neighbours would appreciate that. But then they should. Oh, well, I'm sure they'll have a great time. They will. Um, um, one other thing I ought to mention before we go any further is the fact that although I know almost none of their names, uh, I grew up around a lot of Bollywood music and a lot of Bollywood music artists because of my mum's heritage. Right? She's from uh, very uh, like she has a lot of Indian heritage and was born in a indian filled part of africa so there is a lot of like bollywood and arabic music influence on a lot of the stuff that i work on and so sometimes people will say like hmm, that's interesting i get kind of a deserty vibe and that's completely unconscious on my part like yeah. it's just i guess it would almost be like my musical accent you know in the way that i speak in a different way because of who i grew up around i write music in a different way because of the music that i grew up around i wouldn't have it any other way and i really love it but the challenge there is that i don't know any of the names of the people that inspired <laughs> me to do stuff like that so you know just just, just the whole bollywood genre. is like a wholesale thing yeah, yeah. um and last last quickfire question i've got is favorite soundtrack but i have the feeling you'll probably say crash bandicoot 2 again so no actually I think oh, okay, the okay, soundtrack okay. probably got to be donkey kong country ah, tropical okay. freeze ah, i nice. think just because it's so massive and has so many songs that just hit like a good nine or even 10 out of 10 like it's uh empirically i would think my favorite soundtrack i can think of songs that i like better in other soundtracks yeah but rarely could you find a soundtrack that has that many wins and that many like you know outstanding pieces so consistently like how big is the soundtrack it's like near 70 songs or something oh, it's, it's freaking massive and it's I, I know it's been assisted by other people but like david wise just absolutely destroyed it on that one and uh, i can hold that one in high regard a very close second is super monkey ball 2 um that one is almost all wins with the exception of some smaller tracks for you know maybe the bowling mini game or whatever just not particularly a personal fan they're not bad they're just not for me and then yakuza zero which is you know wow if you haven't heard the soundtrack to that game <laughs> no i've not played <sighs> i've not played zero constant yet. testosterone it's fantastic <laughs> it's great um yeah so two close seconds but ultimately i would say tropical freeze you've just you've just gave me a based upon your answer another quick fire question as well your favorite song Ooh. from a game soundtrack just individual song. favorite one song from a game soundtrack probably whoa this is tough that <laughs> that's really tough no pressure um, i'm just flying through my steam library right now like come on <laughs> give me something something um man this is difficult like I, th there's an unbelievable amount of pressure on me right now i want to say um probably a song from monkey ball 2 i'm just trying to think of like what song absolutely made me feel the most victorious like there's a lot of really uplifting songs in that game oh yeah and uh, not a lot of them had great english translations for the names so it's hard to remember exactly what it was called um but the game only has like 30 something songs i think maybe boiling pot world six for uh monkey ball is one of my favorite songs of all time Excellent. But then I can also think of like the title drop for Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door, and that's pretty close there. So one of the two, I think. Okay, well we'll we'll go with one of the two. But yeah, you were just giving me some like real hair splitting questions. I'm so <laughs> I hate to not give you a defined answer, but 
in the weird like off chance that someone who works on any of these things hears this i really want to make sure that they all know that i treasure them so dearly like <laughs> uh it's fine i love these guys it's it's quite funny because like they're quick fire questions and they always end up taking ages because it's like oh i don't know I, there's so many i also talk a lot that's yeah. primarily attributed to my stupid brain it does that so you know cut this down in post-production wherever you want i mean most of it's been good i'll, I'll probably end up cutting some bits just where i've forgotten how to speak as well so we'll do oh, you that. better take mine out too because <laughs> i did that <laughs> oh yeah it's fine i'll uh, I'll, I'll let it out afterwards don't worry got <laughs> pl- plenty of time anyway um so i mean the last question i've i've got for yourself really is just the future what what are your plans obviously finish peglin get that fully yeah. done and released is there anything on the horizon other than that at the moment there's a couple things actually and i've really been trying to make it uh make it more of a reality now that i see that my career in games has potential um first on the chopping block here is finish all my current projects which is like finish peglin and then also uh figure out what we're gonna do for the rest of peglin because we're going to do more than what i was originally contracted to do for sure and so uh we got to figure out exactly like what the scope of that is and you know what it is that we're going to do i'm hoping i get to work on it as well (laughs) uh you know um i don't want to put words in anybody's mouth but i think we all really enjoyed the way that the game has gone so far and we all want to continue making stuff for peglin so that's something that's coming up next uh i also have a couple smaller projects that i've been commissioned to do like uh i have a like a boomer shooter kind of roguelike game coming up from a friend of mine that i probably shouldn't talk about in huge details yet um but he wants me to write a song or two for a demo for that so that'll be coming out at some point i'm very excited for that because i've always wanted to write for a boomer shooter i just kind of want to go like full unbelievable like balls to the wall power for some songs and peglin is great but also the variety there would allow me to check out like a massive amount of range yeah uh i have a couple like mods for games that i'm working on like friday night funkin is a really big one i've been contracted for a couple songs for stuff like that so i gotta finish that and then we see what i can do you know, like I, I bought myself tickets to PAX, so I'm going to go hang out at PAX West. If you want to go there and meet me, I'm going to be there. <laughs> so September 2nd to 5th. Um, and I'm going to go and, you know, just try to become more a part of this industry because I love it dearly. And I I just really want to be part of it, no matter what kind of effort that takes or how much time it takes off of my plate. Like, I want to be here and I want to make games and I want to I want to be part of that world. Um so I, I went to a recent Newgrounds meetup over in Toronto and met a whole bunch of other developers and musicians and stuff and had the absolute time of my life there. I'm going to PAX. I'm trying to set up any other kind of like events and things I can go to. Might be heading over to the UK for a little while to come hang out with some game studios. So, you know, might see there. Yeah. Um, I, I have like as many things as I can on my plate to just meet more people, work on more projects and like just delve more into this world that's now been open to me because of a game like Peglin. I cannot understate exactly how important the success of Peglin is to my career in music and how many doors it's opened for me to really pursue an avenue of something that I love, something that I'm passionate about, and something that I don't think 
could ever be replaced in my life. I don't think there's anything on this planet that I'd want to do more than write music for video games. And Peglin has really proved to me that it's worth my time. It's not just something I keep in the background as like, a, oh yeah, I did this on my own for like seven years. You know, it's a, This is a very core part of my life. It's not going anywhere. And I want to see it become something big. I want to make stuff for people. And this is the time where I get to focus on that. Press events, you know, networking, game jams. That's what's coming next. To, to, to bring it back to your original question, <laughs> what's coming next is I want to be part of this. I want to do something. And if you got a game and you like what I do, let's talk because I want to be part of this. Excellent. I mean, I, for one, am excited to hear, I mean, see and hear the rest of Peglin and obviously anything else you work on in the future. I'm definitely excited to see that. So, I mean, in terms of that, what's the best way to, uh, if people wanted to, get in touch or keep up with what you're doing is it your twitter page yeah uh well i mean twitter is where i'm decently active now uh unfortunately i've got the twitter brain rot i doom scroll now but it means that i'm in contact with a lot of really great people who you know work on a lot of really great products so if you want to talk to me that's a pretty good way of getting in touch um but i also have a website uh you know built with like that website builder called uh, card have you seen that it's kind of like Linktree, but yeah. a little bit more customizable yeah, yeah. yeah, so I've got a web page for that as well that I'll probably hand you after the show. And that's got all of my back catalogs. It's got my Newgrounds page. It's got my Spotify. It's got my Bandcamp. And, uh, you know, it's got a whole bunch of different ways to get in contact with me. You know, email, Twitter. I don't know if I put my Discord on there, but I'm on Discord more often than I'm not. So I probably will put it on there. Uh, there's plenty of ways to get in touch and check out my work. So uh, check whatever links are in the description of this podcast afterwards. Or just check me out on Twitter. It's your call. And I'll put yeah, I'll put all the links in the the podcast description. And obviously, uh, hybrid animal, hybrid animals, Ace and Space, and Peglin are all available on Steam. Obviously, Peglin is early access at the moment. Oh yeah! If you want some like substantial stuff that's going to keep you for twenty hours, Peglin's the way to go. Definitely. You've got a lot of content in the pipeline. <laughs> Lots to do. I mean, again. Yeah, enjoyed the time playing that. So, and that kind of has brought me to the end of the questions I've got for yourself, Adam. Is there anything you would like to talk to, uh, talk to, talk about, mention anything you'd like to say? Um, I guess a really quick shout out uh, would be really great. Um, yeah, of course. I have some of the most supportive friends in the world, and I don't think any of this stuff would have been possible without the support that they've shown me. Both, like. I have some friends that I've known for upwards of seven, eight years, especially from like high school. And they've been encouraging me uh, to continue with video game music as atrocious as some of my early work was um, just to continue doing it. Like they would listen to every song and they would play every game jam game and they would show up to every, every postmortem and everything, uh, no matter how rudimentary my work was. And I can't understate the value of that and how much it's helped me uh, continue to work on stuff that I love. So much so now that I'm seeing that this is an actual career path for me. And I can directly attribute that to the support that those friends and this family have shown me. So thank you guys so much. Uh, you know, I my Discord server is called The Warp Room. It's you know, a little bit of a reference to Crash Bandicoot 2. And that's where I keep all of my uh, 
all of my high school friends and a lot of my online friends. And the amount of support that I've received from the Warp Room is unbelievable. 20 plus people bought my game on day, or well, not my game, but they bought Peglin on day one and they were keeping up with the soundtrack. They told everybody they knew. And I think the one example that I can think of right now is Michael, my best friend, uh, basically forced me to attend a, uh, a talk at PAX, a, a panel about video game music. When I was too embarrassed to ask him to stand in the line with me because it would take an hour, he knew that I really cared about it and forced me to stand in the line. And it was that panel that gave me a lot of the information that I needed to approach game jams and work on games. And my first game jam is where I met Dylan, the guy that hired me for Peglin. So in a really roundabout, like, extensive way, um, Mike is the, uh, or is one of the major contributing factors to my career in this. Mike, I appreciate you so much. I can't tell you how fortunate I am to have met everybody. Uh oh. Uh, so yeah. Sorry. I just, <laughs> I really want to get that out because there's no other platform for me to say that. So thank you for giving me the time to say that. Oh, it's my pleasure. I mean, it's been, uh, it's been lovely chatting to yourself. I mean, I've really enjoyed it. Even if I've... Oh, it's been so much fun being here. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, no, it's a pleasure. I mean, obviously excited to see, as I said, uh, more Peglin and what goes on from there. So, yeah, thank you. Oh, thank you. I will be here anytime. Once again, I'd like to say thank you for Adam for taking the time out to chat to myself. As normal, the next episode of Beats and Bleeps will be in two weeks, so I hope you tune in for that, and I'd like to thank you very much for listening.